Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Pray together. Thank you, Almighty God, for a chance to be in your house, to worship you, to seek your face. We ask, Lord, that you'd open us up to your presence, that we might be aware of you from every moment uh, as we sing your praises, as we offer up to you our, our needs and our concerns, and as we open your word and listen to it together. Uh, speak to us, Lord, that we might go from here ready for the week to come. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for your healing power, for your grace and your mercy. We come to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Acts chapter 7. Uh, we're going to look at the end of chapter 7 and the beginning of verse 8. Uh, I don't know how many of you caught the, uh, I know it's a late arriving crowd this morning, so I don't know how many of you caught the countdown timer, uh, but I, I love uh, that part in The Wizard of Oz when the cowardly lion comes in. I don't know what, what it is about the cowardly lion, but something about him resonates with me. Uh, I, I, I'm a coward. Hi, my name's Dave. I'm a coward. Come on. Hi, my name's Dave. Thank you. I'm a coward. Um, and, and what I've discovered is that Christianity isn't for sissies. Uh, Christianity is for uh, those who have courage. So we're going to talk about courage this morning. And there was a guy named Stephen. He was pretty courageous, let me tell you. Uh, he was willing to preach uh, the truth to people who didn't want to hear the truth, to people who uh, actually got so mad that when we come to verse uh, 54 of chapter 7, it says this, when they heard this, what, what Stephen was preaching, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. I'm hoping better from this crowd this morning. <laughs> Good, Kenny. I don't have to worry about you. So, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning, stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving his approval to his death. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for a chance to be in your house and to be reminded of who you are and who we are and how much you love us. We ask, Father, that you would reveal yourself to us in a new way, that we would be more like you when we leave than when we came because we've met with you and experienced you. I ask, Father, that you would speak through me this morning though I'm unworthy except by your incredible grace. 
And I ask, Lord, that you would receive all the praise and the glory, for you are our King, our Lord, and our Savior, and we worship you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We've been sharing together about the acts of God going through uh, what is normally called the acts of the apostles. And I, I hope that as we go through it, you continually see that God is working through ordinary people like you and me. It's not like there's some other person. Uh, it's not like God's just working and they're kind of standing there, but God is actually working. By the way, Children's Church is straight now, I think. Is that right? I always forget that. Um, so Sarah, where'd Sarah go? Sarah always gets ready to leave for children's church. So usually reminds me. Uh, anyway, uh, so what we see is God working through ordinary people, right? Uh, everyday ordinary people that God is doing incredible things through. And I want you to hear very clearly that our God is a God who continues to do incredible, extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and like me, um, God is at work, and God wants to work in your life. God isn't just out there in the stratosphere somewhere that we pray to. God is a God who proved that He wants to be with His people. From day one, He's wanted to be with His people. And we see that from the garden all the way till He came in the flesh in Jesus Christ so that we could get to know Him on a personal level. And then He sent His Spirit to live within us so that He would be with us. You understand? You are never alone in Christ Jesus. And He is continually wanting to do great things in your life. And, and we've seen that as we've walked through the book of Acts. We've seen God do incredible things through normal people. Uh, we saw God change lives. Oops, sorry. We saw God change lives through normal people, transforming lives, making them beautiful. And He wants to do that through you. Uh, we, we saw Him uh, bring His grace, and we saw how people were afraid of Him, but he, what He really wanted was for them to have a relationship with Him, not based on fear, but based on love. And this morning, I believe that God wants to empower His people. He wants us to be able to stand courageous. You see, there comes those moments in our lives when we have to respond by faith. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there comes those moments when you have to respond by faith. Here's two birds sitting on a branch, and one has a parachute on, and the other one says, let's try it without the parachute. There comes that point where you act on faith, believing in God, when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. You see, as a follower of Jesus Christ, He leads us to places where sometimes we don't know what the final end result is going to be. When Stephen began to preach in this morning's passage, he didn't go to his wife before he left and said, well, dear, I'm going to go preach and they're going to stone me and I won't be coming back, so I hope you have the life insurance paid up. He went believing that God was going to speak through him. And as God spoke through him, some tragic things began to happen in his life. Things that I don't think he had planned for in advance. But in the midst of that, he stood courageous. He stood believing. He stood knowing that God 
would walk and work in Him and through Him. Somehow, He was able to stand with great courage where others might have backed up in fear. What about you? Are you a courageous person? I don't know. How many of you have ever been bungee jumping? Raise your hand if you've ever been bungee jumping. Ooh, there's one. Really? Have you bungee jumped? Andy has. Oh, you're raising your hand for Andy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, now it's making a whole lot more sense. Uh, uh, um, I'm sitting here thinking about this. Why would you jump? Because you can. I I don't know about you, but that scares the bejeebies out of me. I remember when I was in Florida one time uh, with a friend of mine, an uh, older gentleman friend of mine uh, who, who taught at the seminary, or, well, he was a librarian at the seminary when I was there. And uh, we went to um, uh, St. Augustine, we went to the Daytona Beach. And we're out on Daytona Beach, and there was a boardwalk there. And, and we're going down the boardwalk, and there's this big crane up over the boardwalk. And, and my friend is looking at this crane, and I, I started watching him because I knew what was on the crane, and I just wanted to see. And his head, he, he followed the crane up, and he looked, and he went like this. He said, I thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> he couldn't figure out why anybody would jump off a crane with a, a rope tied to their legs going right down, not over the ocean, by the way, nor over the sand, but over a rocky outcropping on the edge of the sand. They were right over that rock, and they'd come down, and it looked like they came within this far. Now, I'm sure it was farther than that, but that's what it looked like. Why would anyone do such a thing? You wouldn't see me doing that. Now, I know for those of you who are the adventurous type, you're thinking, yeah, but think of the thrill. And think of the, the you know, you have that bungee wrapped around. It's all going to be okay. You've got that rope wrapped around you. It's all good. Not this guy. Not this guy. I mean, look at how far they jumped off that bridge. That's nuts. Crazy. And some people would say, you know, they're crazy. But those who do it won't say they're crazy. They'll say they're out for an adventure. They believe that it's exciting. They believe that, that they can show how, how courageous they are. They're going to jump. This morning, I'm more like the, the cowardly lion than the courageous bump, uh, bungee jumper. But what I've discovered is that if you really want to be a follower of Jesus Christ... At some point, He's going to push you off the edge. At some point, He's going to push you off the edge. And the question is, will you you grab hold of His courage? Or will you run the other way? Now, the Scripture is full of stories of both, right? You remember Jonah, for instance. God called Jonah to go preach to the enemy, right? Now, that's, that's exciting. Uh, And and what did Jonah do? Well, Jonah found the first boat going the other way. I I like Jonah. I understand Jonah. Now, it ended up nasty for Jonah. I just want you to hear that. It it wasn't a good ride. 
uh, eventually he ends up preaching to the enemy anyway. Because God has that way. But God calls us sometimes to do things we never expected we would ever do. And in those moments, we need His courage. Could you be courageous? You know, at the end of the story, right, the cowardly lion finds out he really has courage. And I believe that God will show you as He has shown me, that even with my knees buckling, He can do incredible things through me. And so He does with Stephen this morning. And what we see, and I want you to pay really close attention if you would. I know we read a whole lot of Scripture, but if you would pay really close attention to verse 55. And if you don't have your Bibles open, let me suggest you get it back open. Uh, Because in verse 55, we're going to look at that verse very clearly because I believe that in that verse we begin to see where Stephen's courage really comes from. And, And we get to begin to see from where our courage might come if we would be willing to trust God enough to step out. The first thing we see is that Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. Now there's something awesome about being filled with the Holy Spirit from which we can get all kinds of strength that we never thought we might have. And I want you to hear uh, that it's not so much Um, that the Holy Spirit's going to protect us from the danger. That's usually what we think, right? Somehow the Holy Spirit's going to protect us from the danger. But if we look at Scripture, what we discover is the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily protect us from the danger. The Holy Spirit takes us through the danger. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we begin to see that He can get us through some of the most difficult times, some of the most trying times, some of the most overwhelming times as we put our trust in Him, as we allow Him to work in and through us. Um, this is a, a painting. I don't know if you ever seen, have ever seen this painting. Um, this painting was drawn, uh, the title of this painting is Peace. And I don't know about you, but I look at this painting, I don't see much peace in there, do you? Uh, I see a lot of storm. I see a lot of thunder and lightning and a lot of water. Uh, I think of our friends uh, in the Caribbean who have faced uh, some incredible storms of late. Where do you find peace in the midst of the danger and in the midst of the storm? Well, if you notice real carefully, I don't know if you can see it, but at the bottom of the waterfall, there's a little uh, spot in the... Maybe, I don't know if my... I've never used the pointer... And I have no clue how. Yeah, great, huh? (laughs) Anyway, uh, right in the little cliff there, there's a bird in a nest holding close to the cliff. And in that nest, you could find peace. In the midst of the storm, there's a bird finding peace. And that's how it works with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't remove us from the struggle or from the trial. What the Holy Spirit does is it begins to work. He begins to work in us a a sense of peace because we, we live not by sight, 
but by faith. And as you live by faith, you begin to trust that Jesus is at the wheel. Jesus is showing us the way through the storm. He's directing our path. He's making a way so that we can get through the storm. We can have peace in the midst of the storm because we know that Jesus has gone with us and is with us, that His presence is within us. And if that's the case, He's going to get us through. Now, a lot of churches will tell you, well, if you follow Jesus, then your life will always be good. I won't tell you that because it's not true. Your life may be very difficult at times. The good news is that Jesus will help direct you through the most difficult times in your life and allow you to live a life filled with courage despite the storm. The psalmist put put it this way, the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. If He watches over your coming when you are born, and your life, and your going when you die, all that in between is watched over by the Almighty God. He knows what you're going to face tomorrow. Did you know that? He knows what you're going to face next week. He knows what you're going to face in 10 years. You don't know, and maybe that's a good thing. What you do know is that if he's been there, he knows how to deal with it, and he'll get you through. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is uh, the story of Jericho. You remember that story? I love the story of Jericho because um, Joshua, who is the commander of the armies of Israel, goes to scout out Jericho to figure out how they can attack Jericho. And he runs into the commander of the Lord's army. And the commander of the Lord's army, obviously uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I believe. Um, But certainly one of of God's... uh, uh, one of God's warriors and commanders. And, And he has already been in Jericho, and he knows exactly how to defeat Jericho. He's already been there. You see, Joshua doesn't even get there. The commander of the Lord's army has already been there. And he knows how to defeat it. Now, if you remember the story, he tells Joshua this really weird battle plan. You remember that? Uh, you know, just march around the city, march around the city. There's a wall, by the way, this huge wall around Jeruz- or Jericho. And they're supposed to march around the city, march around the city. And the last day, then you really go at it. You blow your trumpets. And the wall come down. Now, Joshua knows that he's going to face this huge battle. And after talking to the commander of the Lord's army, he's going to make a decision. Is he going to believe that that's what God can do? Or is he going to say, I guess there's no way to defeat Jericho? Now, I think it's interesting because remember, it's not just Joshua. Joshua's got to go back and explain this to his his soldiers that this is the battle plan. And when they got done laughing, they probably said, you can't be serious. But Joshua believed that God, when when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. When, When His presence is available in your life, there is peace in the midst of the storm. He is like the bungee cord. And when you get pushed off, 
you can go, oh, it's going to break. Or you can say, I trust in that bungee cord and find peace. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just bring peace. The Holy Spirit also brings power. And the neat thing about the power of the Holy Spirit is we often think of power as something that comes in and destroys or beats or overcomes. But what's interesting in Stephen's story, and I think interesting in the lives of those who put their trust in the Spirit of God, the power of the Spirit of God comes in that moment when you're willing to forgive. Did you notice who was standing there? Um, while, while they were um, busy stoning Stephen, there was a man named Saul who was watching their cloaks, uh, watching their, their, their coats so that they, they wanted to be free so they could really wail on poor Stephen. And we sometimes miss that little point, but at that point, this guy named Saul is standing there. And you see, Stephen could have said, well, I don't want any part of this, God. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to preach here because I know they won't want to hear what I have to say, and, and I'm not sure how that will end. I'm going to go preach somewhere else. But Stephen believed that the power of the Holy Spirit was going to work in and through him. And as the power of the Holy Spirit worked through him, all of a sudden there was a man there by the name of Saul. And you know Saul by the name of Paul. Because Saul came to know Jesus, and when he came to know Jesus, he began to share the good news of Jesus to everyone. And Saul, who became Paul, and renamed Paul, Paul was a guy who seemed to have all kinds of courage. And where did it all begin? Where did it begin for Saul? It began that moment when he watched Stephen proclaim in the power of the Holy Spirit who Jesus was and then offer forgiveness even for those who were stoning him. Do you see the power of God in that moment? I want to encourage you because you don't know in the moment when the Spirit of God begins to use you who you're affecting in the long run. Think of the millions of people who've put their trust in Jesus Christ because they've opened the Bible and read letters that Paul wrote through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul never would have, may, may never have written those letters if it were not for Stephen who was willing to stand for God when it looked like all was hopeless and give his life and be willing to offer forgiveness to a man named Saul who stood there in support of those who were killing him. That's a powerful moment. You have to understand, when the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, when you begin to be willing to be used by the Holy Spirit, His power and love, His forgiveness and grace begin to reach places you will never imagine. One of the things I get more, most excited about when it comes to going to heaven is I can't wait to get there and find out who you influenced for Christ that you don't even know. I, I can't wait for that. I, I want to be there when that person comes up and you'll say, I don't know you. And they say, well, you may not remember me. But there was a day in elementary school 
when kids were making fun of me. And you decided to be my friend. No one else would. And I didn't treat you very nicely because I wasn't a nice person at the time. But I remembered that you were my friend and that you said you were my friend because of Jesus. And that was the first step to me making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? I don't remember. I don't remember half the kids I went to elementary school with. Well, I take that back. I don't remember any of the kids I went to elementary school with. <laughs> or that, that person that you saw on the street who was hurting, and you just stopped and said, hey, could I pray for you? You know, it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit comes and works through us even in places we don't recognize. And I can see Jesus reaching down to Saul who was drowning himself in religion, trying to be good enough for God. And God is reaching down to him through a guy named Stephen who simply got on his knees while he was being stoned and asked Jesus to forgive Saul. That's power. That's power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we can have courage like we never imagined because we know where we're going and we know that Jesus is walking with us and He's got a purpose. He's making a difference. Second of all, I want you to see it's not just the presence of the Spirit that, that Stephen has, but that Stephen has been looking toward heaven. Did you notice that? First thing he does is look toward heaven. He starts looking up. That's always important to start looking up. And when he looks up, who's he see? Did you catch that? Who does he see? Jesus. You see, all of a sudden, his perspective begins to change. He looks up, and now he doesn't see all those who are beating him and hurting him and killing him. Instead, he sees Jesus, the one who loves him and died for him. And all of a sudden, he's reminded that his life is not about what's happening here. It's, what about, it's about what's happening for eternity. So his perspective immediately begins to change. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And that's where he's headed. And that's who he loves. And if that's where he's headed and that's who he loves, that's what he's all about. And if they want to kill him for that, that's okay. All of a sudden he has incredible courage because he realizes that his life has purpose and direction and meaning. He's looking up. He's looking to Jesus. He's finally figured out that that's what life is all about. You see, the psalmist got it. The psalmist said, I look up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. What's interesting is, we look at that and we say, oh, so when we look up to Jesus, then He takes us out of the trial. Is that what happened for Stephen? Well, I suppose in a way, yeah. But not at that moment. Instead, what Stephen begins to see is that his life has a purpose that goes beyond him. And I want you to know something. Jesus has given you life because He has something for you to do that is awesome in His kingdom. 
And if you keep looking up to Him, looking for Him in your life, looking for opportunities, trying to see what He's about in your life, He's got something incredible that He wants to do through you. And if you keep looking at yourself, and if you keep looking at your trials, and if you keep looking at your struggles, and if you keep looking at the problems, you will not see the solution. You see, perspective is everything. How you look at something changes you. This guy is not eating this lady. This lady is standing on the sand quite a ways away. But the perspective you have, you say, oh, he's about ready to swallow her whole. That's not the case at all. Why? Because your perspective isn't clear. If you were to back away and get to the front side, you would see he's in one spot and she's in the other. The same is true with our lives. We have to have our perspective correct in order to be used and be courageous for Jesus. And perspective is a wonderful thing. Jesus said this, I say to all of you from now on, this is when Jesus was about ready to be condemned by the Sanhedrin. He says this, but I say to you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. And we, frequently, we read that frequently saying, yeah, and someday we'll see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven. I want to suggest to you this. That every day as you walk through life, if your perspective is that you are an agent from God, then every day Jesus is coming to do something incredible and He's going to use you. So keep your eyes on what He's doing. That's your purpose in life. When we were in seminary, we had to take a psychological exam. And there was a question on the psychological exam. And the professor who administered the exam said, now you've got to know you can't answer this question in the affirmative. And the question was this, do you believe you're an agent on mission from God? And my guess is at least 90% of us refuse to follow those directions and put, yes! Because that's what we're about. And some people say we're crazy. But what we've discovered, and I hope what you discover, is that when you begin to realize that God wants to do great things through you, then you can stand in situations that are a struggle and a trial. The Holy Spirit's presence comes upon you. And you begin to see that God's, God's direction, God's purpose is great for your life. Keep looking. This life is not about you. If you live for you, your life will become empty. I'm just telling you. You'll never have enough. You'll never feel smart enough, good enough. You may not think you look good enough. You may not think that you have enough. You see, if that's your perspective on life, you'll miss what God wants to do in your life. If, however, your perspective is, God has something for me to do in this world, and I'm going to do whatever He puts in front of me, or wherever He calls me to go, all of a sudden, you get courage in your life, you get purpose in your life, and life is exciting and full of meaning. Even if you get stoned at the end. So the courage that 
that Stephen gets comes from the presence and the perspective. And the last thing I want you to notice is that Stephen ends up on his knees. And the neat thing about Stephen on his knees is that Stephen gets down on his knees and humbles himself before those who would hurt him. Now, some would look at them and would deride them. Some would look at them and say, well, this just shows how horrible you people are. But Stephen had a different example. You see, as Stephen looks at Jesus, he remembers that Jesus was one who was humble. And so Stephen gets down on his knees and he begins to ask God to forgive those who would hurt him. That's humble. And some people would say, well, that's wimpy. That's not wimpy at all. That's incredibly difficult to do. What's wimpy is when someone attacks you and you're going to attack them back to show them how great and powerful you are. What's powerful, really what's powerful, is when someone attacks you and you respond with humility and love and grace. You see, that's exactly what God showed us, isn't it? Think about it. The God of the universe, the most powerful person the most powerful person there is. What did He do? Well, He left His glory in heaven. And he was born in a manger. A poor person. Not a rich person. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. And He lived His life not as someone who had all kinds of things and and all kinds of power, but He he lived as someone who cared about others, who humbly came to others and shared with them who God was and how much God loved them. And then they decided they didn't like His message, and so they put Him on a cross. And the Scripture makes it very clear that He could have easily come down from that cross, but instead He stayed on that cross because He wanted to offer them the forgiveness and the grace of God. He didn't have to do that. He did it. Why? Because He humbly wanted to offer them this grace and this forgiveness. Because He humbly wanted to offer us this grace and this forgiveness. In Philippians, Paul wrote, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Jesus this morning humbly offers you forgiveness. You see, He's already paid the price. The Scripture says when you do something wrong, there's a price. Did you know that? When you do something wrong, there's punishment. You know that because when you were a kid, if your parents were any good at all, if you did something wrong, you got punished for that, correct? That happened in my house, I'll tell you that. Mom, take it. (laughs) Yeah. Sally will want to talk to you later, Kenny. (laughs) 
if you got caught. But here's the key, right? Uh, because even when we did, I don't know about you, Kenny, but my parents found out things all the time. I thought I'd gotten away with it. But, but they would find out, and then the punishment, if I tried to hide it, the punishment was worse. And so we know that when we do something wrong, we get punished. The Scripture says that when we do something wrong against God, the punishment is death, separation from God. But that God, in His incredible love, offers us the gift of forgiveness. And He does that by taking our punishment. He died for us. And then He rose again because He wanted us to know that God's grace not only forgives us, but gives us life and direction and purpose and hope and joy and power through the same humility as we begin to offer that grace to others. As we begin to offer that forgiveness to others. As we get on our knees and pray for those who would hurt us. And those who hate us. And as we pray for them, God's love and grace begins to work in their lives. And sometimes that's hard, because sometimes I don't want God's love and grace to work in their lives. I'm like the disciples. You remember the disciples when they'd gone into that, they were headed into that village, and the village refused to let them in, and the disciples said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, what do you say we just zap them? I'm paraphrasing now. It's not exact. Let's call down fire from heaven, if, that, if you want to be more accurate. Call down fire from heaven. I'm with those disciples most of the time. But you see, Jesus had a different way. Jesus knew that calling down fire wouldn't change them or give them hope or give them love or forgiveness. And so He prayed for them. And He prayed for you. And I want you to know, before we go a step further, that Jesus died for you because He loves you. And what He asks is that you would just open your heart to Him so He could give you purpose and direction in your life. And even more than that, so that He could give you eternal life with Him. And that choice is yours. You see, if you do it humbly, you can't force someone else to make that choice. As a matter of fact, if you love someone, you can't force, you don't force them to make a choice. You give them that option, right? That's who Jesus is. And I beg you, I'd get on my knees and beg you, but you have to come help me up. (laughs) I beg you that you'd say yes to Jesus today. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to remind you that when help me out there, I don't know what the problem is. Um, oh, okay. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus taught us to pray, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you're from a a Presbyterian uh, uh, side of the church, you may say, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I like the modern versions of Scripture that says, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And Jesus calls us to humbly ask 
for the forgiveness of those. Seek the salvation of those around us. That's what we're all about. And that will give you courage because you see, when you begin to see lives change, you get excited. One of the things we do once in a while is when we go out to eat, we ask the server if we could pray for her and, or him. And you, you've heard this before. We've done this before. But I find it so exciting when, when they stop and they say, yeah, I, I really could use prayer. And I really like it when they say, uh, they, they sit down with us for just a minute so we can pray with them right then. And you look at their countenance and it changes. Why? Because God worked in their lives. God is at work in their lives. All of a sudden they have hope again. You see, it's not because we're some great holy Christians that do it all right. No, nowhere close. What we are is people who care about other people just like our Savior Jesus did. And when we do that, we have courage to actually say something about Jesus to them. And when they hear that, we can see a change begin to happen, if not in them, certainly within us. And then life is all worth living. And all of a sudden, I'm willing to jump. All of a sudden, I believe that God can do great things through a coward like me. And you know what? I believe God can do great things through courageous people like you. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Thank You, Lord Jesus, uh, for Your presence in our lives that gives us peace in the midst of our storms. And we pray for those who are in the midst of storms right now. We ask, Lord, that You would begin to give them peace. Remind them that You know all about their storm and that You promise to walk with them through it. And Lord, may their hearts begin to find Your peace. We pray, Father, for those who need to know Your power this morning. Not the power to overcome, uh, but rather the power to offer forgiveness and grace. We pray, Father, that You would not only give us Your presence, but that You would help us to get the perspective You would have us have. That, that we would be open to what You're doing around us. That, that we would see Your hand at work. That we'd be willing to step in. And Lord, we, we pray that You'd also help us to take the right posture. That we wouldn't be worried about how we look to others, but that we would humbly offer Your forgiveness and Your grace to everyone we meet. Thank You, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayer. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. We're going to sing together.